Hey, hello there, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I'm Mr. Warren Hayes, and we're going to be talking about professional wrestling here on this beautiful podcast that bears my name, that was birthed with my name. What a coincidence that I'm, I end up hosting the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. How about that? You're probably listening to this. You're probably wondering why you're listening to this first and foremost on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. And if you are, thank you very much. Consider giving a like on the video and subscribing to the channel if you're new here. Those things help grow the channel and I'd appreciate it a great deal. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, five-star ratings on Spotify, those things are really great as well. So why don't you go ahead and do it? I'd appreciate it. Appreciate any type of little help you can you can give to help grow the channel uh, and the podcast. Those stuff, those things, that stuff is fantastic. Um, and uh, you know, I I do the podcast, I do all this thing, but I also delve into the written word once in a while, as regular listeners may know. And I have a brand new article out there over at uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com, uh, in which I. I ask the question, or at least I state, it's not a question, it's a statement. I say, it is time to belt up evil again. That's right. New Japan, pro wrestling, superstar, reviled superstar, evil. I make the argument that it's uh, probably a good idea to give him another shot at the top. A lot of people (laughs) don't necessarily agree with me. A lot of people think I lose my mind. What side of the fence do you fall on? Go check out the article on VoicesOfWrestling.com. I'd appreciate it a great deal. And if you leave the Voices of Wrestling fellas know that you enjoyed my article, hey, I'd even like that even more. Uh, There's also a Discord that I'd like you to join. The Mr. Warren Hayes Show Discord. If you like to talk about pro wrestling and whatnot, that's your place. Link is in the description. We'd love to have you on board uh, to come. uh, And not just pro wrestling. We talk about a bunch of things. It's a good time. Um, and, uh, don't forget, I also do my AEW Dynamite reviews. The Dynamite review might be a little later than usual this Thursday, but it will be out. It will get there. Trust me. I think there's going to be a lot to talk about in regards to AEW this week. I'm recording this on, uh, on, uh, uh, May 16. So, you know, as I mentioned, we do, you know, we talk about AEW's big upcoming announcement, which maybe at this point, when, the, as you're listening to this, you know, maybe the big announcement has happened and all the speculation and everything I talk about is probably a moot point. But, you know, I try to keep things open. And, you know, I talk about how I feel we should cover AEW moving forward how or how how the, the deal might affect, should affect how we cover AEW moving forward. So, you know, there's, there's still value in listening to that part of the show is what I'm saying. Go check it out. Um, you know, we're also going to talk how CM Punk ties into all of this. Uh, best of Super Juniors 30 update. That tournament has started, so I give you some thoughts. New Japan Resurgence 2023 preview. Hey, you got stuff to talk about. Let's go to it and let's kick it off with the weekly wrestling inspection. Um, today, as I'm recording this, right? It's uh, May 16, 2023. We are one day removed from the big announcement. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, it's almost time for the big announcement. We're there. We're, we're so close. Just a few hours in. By the time you're listening to this, there's a very fair chance that the opportunity, that the announcement, I should say, has, has uh, come and gone as well. But... Uh, you know we're not there yet, so let's have uh, let's have a little fun. 
Warner Bros. Discovery is having its big advertiser up friends tomorrow, right? And Tony Khan has also said that he has a big announcement, one that the biggest announcement in the history of AEW. This, of course, is all speculation. All the speculation around this has led to one single thing, one unique and singular uh, thing is, of course, the new television deal with Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, we're still very much at a speculative level. All signs point to that because every everyone who reports on the thing, has, everyone has had similar news. But this is what we should be expecting at the upfronts or, you know, tomorrow night on Dynamite. Uh, Tony Khan is going to have his big, uh, 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 the biggest announcement, the biggest announcement in the history of AEW. Uh, yeah, that's what that's what we're getting here. Um, hey, Weedman Wade, nice to see you and welcome to the welcome to the show. Um, he he did okay. So uh, Dave Meltzer though did go on record. To say that a new rights contract will be announced at the upfronts. Because that was a lot of people were wondering, are they going to talk about it at the upfronts or is it going to be Tony Khan himself? Well, right now, like Dave went on record and say at the upfront, at the upfronts, the contract will be announced. He re, re, he reiterated a past report that uh that um that the tv deal gives warner bros discovery the exclusive rights to the AEW product which led to one of the reasons uh of the cancellation of the youtube shows uh and of course to be very very clear this does not include ring of honor so there's a lot of reports that have been going around, as I said, but they, you know, everyone's, everyone at the very basis agrees that the announcement that's coming up is the new TV deal for AEW. The, the terms themselves are a little scattered, but like if, if, if you were to ask me, well, what's the scuttlebutt war and what, what's been going around the most? In general, overall, people have been reporting. And I, you know, again, this is a big brushstroke. We can get into the... Uh, we, we can get into the weeds here if we want to. But $1 billion for five years. So that equates to $200 million a year. That includes the new TV show, which is rumored to be on Saturday, which is rumored to be named Collision. Uh, and it's also expected within this deal to have AEW content show up on Max. It's not HBO Max anymore, folks. Just plain old Max. So again, those are all the things that are being reported at the at the at the time that I'm recording this, which is probably like less than 24 hours away from the upfronts. Um, so uh, you know, we'll see how accurate all of this has been. I believe the highest the the highest report I wrote I, I wrote I, I the highest report I read was Wade Keller, who had numbered it at 1.2 million for the five years, which would be, um, which would be also a significant amount. And I'm not trying to math on on that one. Um, and AW, see, this is crazy. This the 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 amount of money, the raise that AW is getting, if this is the case, 
whether it's Wade's 1.2 or let's say we just go with the one with the 1 billion it's about five times what they're getting right now Tony Khan uh, one said that the you know the deal that they have right now equals out to about 44 million per year let that sink into your brain for a second that is 40 for, we'll be jumping from 44 million dollars a year to 200 million dollars a year is that resonating that is that's five times the money that's insane or a little less than five you bear with me here i'm an english major nice to see you conrad from the everything pro wrestling podcast always nice to have you around buddy so this so you know obviously this is a this is tremendously big news for aew like and and, and you know sometimes tony likes to make announcement he says this is going to be an earth-shattering announcement this is going to be a big announcement this is going to be the biggest announcement and you know promoters are going to promote right so most of the time you know when i'm talking when we're when i'm chit-chatting with people and they're like well tony khan's announcement wasn't that big you know it's like who cares like you know it's a promoter he's a wrestling promoter he's let him do the, let him do his job let him do the promoting but he's going around saying this is the biggest uh, uh, announcement in the history of AEW and I would agree with this if this is if this if this is um, uh, uh, indeed going to be a billion dollars for five years this is tremendous news for AEW this is guaranteed money you know I've been you know, like like I do typically, and you know, which I also invite you all, uh, my my A plus audience to do uh, is you know you tune in to you 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 listen to experts in the field, people who know what they're talking about, have been covering wrestling for a few years, and the business side of pro wrestling. Brandon Thurston at WrestleNomics, for instance, or you know John Pollock over at Post Wrestling. You listen to those and, and you know how they approach this and everyone sort of has the consensus that you know uh, you know that in the idea of how is this going to change the business discussion in regards for AEW like purely on a business aspect it, everyone sort of agrees that you know we are going to have to stop talking about stop stop feeling that AEW has to scratch and claw for every dollar that it gets it won't have to you know won't have to wonder how much of a difference it will be for AEW to be uh you know to not have sold an extra thousand tickets or another extra thousand pay-per-views uh for a show um there'll be uh so th there won't be as much scratching for for cash so ultimately what we're going to have to get used to is no longer panicking when things don't go well when you know ratings slip a week or uh you know or or, or a show you know a show or a series of shows don't sell out as well they have guaranteed money they're not as dependent now as they once were on the gates on the pay-per-view revenue now you know this is not like absolute free cash that they're getting right like this is also an important distinction to make this is they're they're not just getting oh look continue doing what you're doing here is a five times raise 
on what you're doing. No, 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 no. We, this $200 million a year deal, if that is the case, comes with an extra two hours of programming a week live TV, right? It comes with a Saturday show that they are expected to produce. So, you know, when a lot of us were predicting and talking about how much money is a like last year, how much money is AEW going to get on its uh, uh, on its uh, new deal? You know, you'd base yourself on observable, quantifiable facts. You'd look at you know the, you know what was going on. You'd take a look at ratings, how they were performing, what type of advertisers they were bringing in, so on and so forth. And then you'd be like, well, you know, maybe two times, two point five. You know, so a lot of people were very conservative, saying you know maybe one point five for a race. Now. We're getting five times, but we're also getting an extra set of shows. We're getting a whole different production, right? So we're getting another full two hours of, 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 of pro wrestling on TV. So, you know, it's a it's five, you know, it's it's two, again, if this is the case, it's 200 million a year, but, you know, with a, I don't want to say with a catch, but with a caveat, because they're going to be producing more weekly content. So, of course, you're going to need, you're going to need more, uh, more money because producing shows cost money. Producing TV costs money. Without, um, without, you know, even considering what you're going to pay for talent, you know, so, so on and so forth. Um, and speaking of talent, well, I mean, look, this is something that has also been very that this is something to consider, right, from a business perspective, right? Is this is going to be look from a business perspective? This is going to change so many things with the guaranteed money. Uh, talent, of course, there, there's a lot of people going, mm -mm, my deal's coming up and, uh, you know, a lot of people are gonna be like, they're probably angling for a little more money and Tony will probably be a little more capable of matching whatever they want. I'm not necessarily saying everyone's gonna get what they want, but, you know, he'll probably be in a better position to uh, to work it, you know, and, and the top, people in the company will be able to ask for more money and Tony will be like, well, okay, like this is good. This is interesting. This, you know, if, if we can get, uh, if we can, you know, if AEW and WWE become a little more competitive when it comes to salaries. And again, I'm sort of speaking through, you know, speaking through my hat here. Cause I'm not quite sure what the, how, you know, what kind of gap there is between, uh, when it comes to salaries in, in WWE versus AEW, I would assume that WWE salaries are higher, right? One would assume. But, you know, that you know, will, I, I, I couldn't tell you. So, we're, you know, just basing off an assumption, a gut feeling, you would assume, expect that Tony Khan is able to match or, you know, be more competitive, Maybe not match, but be more competitive in regards to WWE salaries, uh, which which is good because you know we talked about this on the show in the past when Vince McMahon returned to uh, to the company, forced his way back in. He uh, or excuse me, let me start over. When he left the company, that was an advantage that AEW had over WWE is for, for wrestlers, for attracting talent. It's like, well, I don't, we're, we don't have Vince McMahon here. So having wrestlers feel like they might have a little more creativity, that they'll be able to wrestle more, do whatever they want. Um, they, uh, they might be able, uh, they, uh, the, um, uh, you know, they, 
the the fact that uh, the the fact that, that Vince was gone was an advantage for Tony Khan. Maybe I'm going to pay you less, but you don't have to deal with Vince's booking. Now that you know Vince is back in the picture and you know whatever, um, so maybe that advantage came back. But in the in the um, in the aspect in the prospect that um, that Vince would not be part of WWE having the capacity to meet WWE salaries uh, or you know inch closer to them may you know sort of compensates for the loss of that advantage in EW did that did that make sense I don't even know if that made sense <laughs> hopefully it did it made sense in my brain but I felt like I was going along to the advantage, let me try and summarize just to make sure. Should Vince McMahon leave WWE again, which is an advantage for your AEW, right? To be able to say the, 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 the fact that, w, that having Vince McMahon in WWE is an advantage for AEW. So if Vince should leave, the fact that AEW can provide better salaries maybe compensates for that lack of an advantage, for that weakness ultimately. Or that threat. I think I think I summarized it better than what I was trying to spew up and spew out a few seconds ago. So that's really good. And then, of course, you know, bigger risks. They'll be able to take more risks. They'll be able to improve on production. They'll be able to, uh, you know, uh, make bigger signings at the same time. They'll be able to shell out for bigger talent. Of course, like I said, this all comes with the caveat of an extra two hours of programming. But still, this is where we are. So I think it's exciting. From a creative perspective, from a creative perspective, I'm coming at this with, a, I'm not gonna lie, I'm coming at this with a little more apprehension than I think um, many people are. Because there is currently another wrestling company out there that has guaranteed money, and it's, it's creative stinks. Um, can start pointing fingers and getting, you know, uh, you know, going into details or whatnot. But nonetheless, there's another major league company out there that has guaranteed money every year and their shows are subpar and does not respond well to the likes of me who like, you know, pro wrestling. So I'm hoping that the comfort, the reassurance the, um, the, the, the reduction in anxiety that this guaranteed money creates for AEW, this cushion that it creates for AEW doesn't become a level of comfort in which uh, uh, that, that, that causes AEW to lose its edge, that, that, that clawing aspect. So, because to a degree, you know, the idea of them having to put on great wrestling shows and having to sell pay-per-views, that was always a, it's always a priority. It was always a priority for AEW because the deal, the, the TV deals were, you know, not, don't want to say small, but in comparison, not as big. So they had to work and scrape a little more. In this case here, I'm looking at all of this. It was like, well, if you have the guaranteed money, do you still have that edge? Do you still have that, uh, do you still have that edge? Do you still have that, uh, that energy 
that, that, that desperation need to just jump in and claw your way and do everything you can to get more viewers, to get more sales, to get more ticket buyers, to get more pay-per-views, to get more merch sold. Does it create a bit of apathy? Like I said, on one end of the spectrum, it has. Does this mean it's going to be a carbon copy to AEW? Hopefully not. I don't think so. I wouldn't assume so. But, uh, you know, I think we, we need to be aware of that. I think we need to, to keep that in mind moving forward as we criticize AEW. And we should be comfortable enough to apply the same type of uh, the same type of knowledge, logic, I should say, um, should that start to happen? Because the last thing I want to do, and and hopefully most of you believe and know deep in your hearts that uh, that it's something that I, that I feel comfortable in doing, that I will do, that I will look at AEW if it, if it starts going down this path and 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 call it out as such and be very weary about all of that. Um, Hopefully it doesn't. What I'm saying is that I there is a level of apprehension because I've been burned. There's a level of apprehension here that I'm going to try not. It's it's not going you know it's not going to taint me from the get go, but it's always going to be in the back of my mind. It's always something I'm going to be weary of it, and hopefully it doesn't show its it doesn't rear its ugly head. If that makes sense. Because, yeah, I, look, I think we should be able, we should be able to uh, call out the, the criticisms and, uh, you know, some, uh, call out criticisms. If you don't like something on one side, you should be able to point it out when it happens on the other side. Just like a couple of weeks ago when I was uh, bemoaning the fact that we were having uh, Can They Coexist tag matches leading into a Fatal 4-Way match. Don't call it a Fatal 4-Way match at uh, Double or Nothing. I was like, look, this is, this is WWE booking. It still is. And, and people, but Warren. Come on now, now this is AEW. No, 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 no. This is the same bullshit. This is the same WWE bullshit. You're getting, can they, can they coexist matches to lead into a, a, a four-way match for the world title at, uh, at a pay-per-view? That is absolutely 100% WWE stuff. And I don't like it. Will the match be great? Maybe. It, you know, uh, I, I didn't care for the tag team match. I thought it actually kind of dragged. And I'm kind of worried for the, for the, for the main event. Uh, so... Is it going to be great? Well, there's only four guys who'll be able to tell me if it's uh, if they're ready to make it great or not. So I'll be I'll be looking forward to it. I'll be you know I'm going to watch it. And but the building in about itself, I hated it. I think it stinks. I think it stinks for multiple reasons. You can you can listen to the you can listen to the dynamite reviews that I've been doing over the past couple of weeks. If you want to learn more about my stance on how things are going in dynamite these days. But uh, you know, we're talking about uh, you, you. We're talking about the new show, the Collision show. We all know what how this entails. You know, we're talking about the money. We're talking about the you know talent get, taking advantage of you know being able to 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 get it, to take advantage of all this new influx on different levels. You know, and more production, whatnot, and bigger hires. But what about CM Punk? What about? Phil Brooks, what is he getting out of all of this? How, what what is it? Won't anyone think about Phil? Poor Phil in all of this, discarded, disgraced, 
His name dragged through the mud, muckracked through the sheets, the dirty sheets, the dirtiest of sheets. Now there were rumors. There were there were rumors and reports that the AEW deal here with um, with the uh, with Collision. You know, there was a lot of scuttlebutt and speculation saying that you know the CM Punk uh, that Warner Brothers requested that CM Punk be on the roster to get the deal right. Like he was he was a a. A negotiation tactic. They were like, we will give you the money if you give us CM Punk. You know, the those marks over at the in the boardroom, they were like, listen, Tony, Anthony, listen, my favorite wrestler is the C is CM Punk. He's straight edge. I love him. Do you remember the pipe bomb? It reignited my love of professional wrestling. If you do not have Phil Brooks on your roster, Anthony, we're not giving you the money. <laughs> According to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, though, AEW's deal with Warner Bros. Discovery for Collision would have happened with or without CM Punk. That's what Dave says. But Warner Brothers Discovery definitely wanted him for the new show, which is an important nuance. Nonetheless, let's, let's think about, like, let's consider the verbiage here. It's an important nuance. You know, there's one that is conditional and there's one that is a nice to have, right? One is a need. I need this. I need X for Y to happen. But the other one is like, I would like X, but Y is going to happen regardless. So, you know, I don't know if that's, I, I, again, I don't know how real or true that is, but it's it's probably, you know, Dave has been a little, um, ever since the Instagram post, Dave has been a little, um, he's been, um, uh, careful with what he's been sharing in regards to CM Punk and the elite because he doesn't he's so sick of all this shit blowing up in his face all the time he's like look I'm gonna be careful so I would assume again just doing some good old-fashioned media literacy just going down the the old dusty trail of what Dave has said in the past I would assume that at this point if he is saying with a certain amount of confidence that um, that the show that collision would have happened with or without CM Punk, I would assume that that would be closer to the truth than the opposite. I'm not saying it's 100% true, but I'm saying I'm more inclined to believe it. With caveats, of course, always, but I'm more inclined to believe it. In regards to efforts made to fend, fend, to fend fences, to... Have you ever fend, fended a fence? That, you know, it, it, that old, that old time, you know, job of fending fences. Oh my goodness. My, my fence has been furbled. Don't worry, ma'am. I will fend it for you. We will, we will fend your furbled fences for you. 
Man, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Regarding efforts to mend fences, right? Because that's always a thing that's happening or isn't happening. If you, again, believe the observer, punk and others backstage, would be mending fences between punk and others backstage, of course. Uh, Dave writes, they are no closer to any resolutions than they have been, but things are more reasonable. But here's a big thing that Dave brought up in this exactly same this exact same report. He he reiterated that there are a number of open legal issues, and those are keeping people from speaking publicly about the situation, as well as contacting the other side. And when I say the other side, I don't mean you know follow the light kind of situation like the. The other camp, the elite camp and the punk camp. They, they can't talk to each. Now, this has me thinking. Because we've heard, I think it's interesting that we're talking about the legal situation, that, that we're talking about the legal situation again, because not that long ago, CM Punk, I'm sorry, the, the punk camp was hitting up the journos and, you know, dropping some information that, hey, Phil wants to talk with the other guys. He wants to talk with the elite, but they're not, they're not giving us any news. They're not talking. They're not responding. I, I, I don't know. I'm such a nice guy. I'm CM Punk. Calm, level-headed, regular Joe CM Punk. I just want to go out there and wrestle for the fans. Gee whiz. But the elite aren't talking. They're not responding. They're not texting me back. I send them, you know, SUP, starry eye emoji. Would you send a starry eye emoji in that circumstance? Or, you know, one of these? I don't know. They're not responding back. I'm, I'm CM Punk. I'm such a nice guy. So I'm thinking maybe they don't, they're not responding because legally they can't. And if the punk camp is dropping that information, is going around saying, well, you know, we're trying to get in contact, but they're stonewalling us, they're ghosting us, while admitting the sort of crucial bit of information that Oh, well, you know, they're not writing us back because, you know, they legally they can't, you know, there's a, you know, there's paperwork that's keeping them. I'm like, Jesus, mother, you know, holy shit. That's kind of an important bit of information to add in there. The punk camp. Try to make yourselves look like holier than thou, but the other guys just can't answer because legally they're bound to not talk to you as it stands. Like this is, this, this little tidbit of information sort of like, uh, sort of like blends into everything. You know, so you say, oh, well, a lot of things are starting to make sense and maybe, maybe the Jacksons and Omega aren't the, um, aren't the assholes that a lot of people are making them out to be. They go, oh, well, you know, CM Punk wants to work with them. They don't, it's on them. Maybe they're just doing what they're told to stay out of legal trouble. Worse yet, 
Maybe, look, I, this is entirely, entirely uh, 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 tinfoil stuff here. Maybe Phil was baiting them. Maybe Phil was just baiting them, right? Which is also possible, knowing this guy. Knowing how he behaves is what I mean. See, the report continues. Someone on the punk side, but not punk. No, not someone on the punk side, but someone, but not CM Punk, is said to want to apologize, but can't due to the ban communicating with the other side. So Dave is actually reporting it and saying they'd be okay. To, they'd want to try and, you know, make amends, but they can't because there's legal documentation. Someone else on the non-punk side told Meltzer that they believe multiple apologies are in order and that, quote, punk should be the first but not the only one. And then earlier today, Andrew Zarian, Matt Men, said that the punk announcement of his return, of course, is going to happen over the next few days. So it might happen just as, just as soon as, uh, as tomorrow night on Dynamite, AW Dynamite on, on, on TBS. It could be just, just as soon as that. And a lot of folks are like, oh, he, he shouldn't announce it. He shouldn't announce that Sam Punk. And you know what? I, I, I couldn't be, I couldn't disagree more. I, I could not be in a position to disagree more than not announcing, not making a big deal out of the, the CM Punk return. Do you know why? Do you know why? I'm going to give you one chance. I'm going to, I'm going to give you one chance to think about it. I'm going to give you one chance to, to, to create a response in your mind. But I know you've already figured it out because y'all are a super smart audience. You announce it because you want to sell tickets. If you announce that at the Chicago show, he's going to be there. The first, the opening night of Collision. What do you want? You want a full arena stacked with people. Psyched out of their skulls because you're in Chicago to see their boy back. Money. This is different than two years ago when there were the rumors, the wink winks, the nudge nudge. He's that that let us all believe that not no, sorry, gave us the breadcrumbs, the trail of breadcrumbs to see him punk's return. At the United Center, all the signs were there. It's like, he's not signing. We're not filling out the United Center in Chicago if it's not CM Punk returning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's exactly what happened. You don't have, you, you don't need that level of mystery anymore. You don't need that level of mystique because the return of CM Punk entering your, comp your, your company out of the blue, that was a big deal. That was a huge, unexpected turn of events. It was probably one of the biggest news stories to happen, uh, uh, it still is one of the biggest news stories in, in the history of pro wrestling. The return of CM Punk after seven years of absence into fledgling company AEW. 
That it's a huge thing. Now the guy's still on your roster, your roster. He's still employed. You don't have to be coy about it. Like, oh, we don't know who's coming. Oh, by the way, the collision show is called the Second Coming. We'll just throw that out there. Like you don't have to play coy, and it's dumb, really. Go out there, sell tickets, get pop your rating, as the kids like to say for your first collision show because everyone's going to want to tune in to see CM Punk come back and see what kind of crazy ass bullshit he's going to say when his, uh, on his opening promo because as much as you can love or hate CM Punk I don't care who you are you're excited to hear what he's going to talk about when he's handed a live mic on a Saturday night in front of a, a, a in front of a Chicago audience a rabid Chicago audience that's going to be crazy out of their heads excited to see him you're going to be hanging off of his off of every word there's going to be transcripts happening live they're going to be all over reddit people are going to be typing it down they're going to be analyzing every word every inflection they're going to be looking for easter eggs and clues and subtle hints jabs oh this was a cody rhodes jab oh this is exactly what's going to happen so no, you don't leave it up to chance, you announce it. That's what you do. Sell the tickets, sell out the houses, pop a rating. Don't go around saying, oh, they should keep it a surprise. What surprise? At this point, it's not, just bring them back. And you know, if the company wasn't in a position where they needed to do this, right? If this was 2021, you know, late 2021 AEW, I'd be like, yeah, they don't have to announce it. They just they can just do it. Just just do it and don't tell anyone. Kind of like what they did with, uh, you know, Danielson and all that. You know, they were very coy about all that. You know, they could do nothing wrong. And everything, you know, it was surprise, 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 surprise. But this is not the same company anymore. This is a company who's, you know, who's not filling out shows anymore. You know, double or nothing. Last I checked, just yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, it's like at about 9,100 tickets, tickets sold. No, it was a capacity, a capacity. There was about, there's about 1,300 tickets left. Open capacity of 9,100 in the same venue in Las Vegas that they ran Double or Nothing last year where they sold over 14,000 tickets or at least distributed over 14,000 tickets. I wouldn't call this a rampaging success. hey booms. I wouldn't call this a success. And, you know, uh, attendance has been, hasn't been as hot as, as it has. Well, they ended up selling, you know, selling out or being very close to selling out the Dynamite show from last week, which, of course, because it was crazy. Um, but um, the uh, 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 but overall, attendance hasn't been great. It hasn't been a disaster, but we, we're not hitting the highs that we had in late 2021. So this company right now, you know, needs to get hot again. And they're going to have a an extreme... They have, look, I don't know if they're going to have a hot summer, but they have all the puzzle pieces to have a hot summer. 
once Double or Nothing is out of the way, they have the new show. They have CM Punk. They have Forbidden Door. They have Wembley. And effectively, you know, if you believe the rumors, a week later, they're having All Out. So all the parts are there. Plus, tons of money. Shitloads of cash. So as it stands... AEW in the summer, this uh, in during the summer of 2023 should be an unstoppable juggernaut of awesome. But we're going to have to see how they all compose with these things. Everything's in place. Just see how it goes. But um, yeah, just announce it tomorrow, Tony. Are you listening to this, Tony Khan? Tony Khan, if you're listening to this, uh, type F in the chat. If you're listening to this, Tony Khan, um, just go ahead and say CM Punk is coming back. Just, 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 just do it. Do want we talk a little more about, uh, about backlash, about the business of WWE backlash this year? Because Brandon Thurston... Uh, Brandon Thurston uh, was able to uh, wrap up a little more, uh, get a little more extra information and likely a little more accurate than the uh, than the WWE uh, press releases in regards to the success of uh, WWE Backlash 2023 this year. He was able to uh, to get the uh, to receive information from the Puerto Rico Convention Center District Authority through a public records request. So we are we are capable of knowing exactly. What kind of business WWE did in Puerto Rico? Shout out to Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics. Of course, it's the weekly the weekly plug. But I'm telling you, you know, if you if if you're interested in the in the true business side of the business, right? We're not talking like creative and plans and then uh, oh who's going to beat Roman? None of that. You know, you want to talk about how the business is going and how decisions are affecting business and so on and so forth. He's your guy. But backlash on May 6th in San Juan, Puerto Rico, drew a million four hundred and forty-seven five hundred and fifty-eight dollars for the live gate from fifteen hundred fifteen thousand, excuse me, one hundred and forty-five paid attendees. An additional one thousand three hundred and fifty-one tickets were comped for a total of sixteen thousand four hundred and ninety-six tickets distributed for the event. SmackDown the previous night at the same venue achieved another million dollar gate for WWE, one million forty-eight thousand two hundred and ninety-five dollars based on 14,282 tickets sold. Uh, 1,270 tickets were comped, bringing total tickets distributed to 15,552. Now, according to WWE, uh, they uh, they did they said that more than thirty four thousand eight hundred fans were there. Uh, not exactly, um, not ex- not exactly off base, but not exactly that either. Uh, as you know, sixteen thousand eight hundred and ninety six for uh, SmackDown, seventeen thousand nine hundred and forty four for backlash so you know a little embellishment but they've done worse <laughs> wwe 
in that in that regard. But more interesting, uh, not more interestingly, you know, but this is also very interesting, but it's not more interesting. This was interesting. Let's keep down this path of interesting things. Uh, according to WWE, viewership of Backlash saw a 28% increase versus the record set in 2022, which of course meant that it was the most viewed Backlash in the history of Backlash, which as many members of the Mr. Warren Hayes show know, uh, is you know an empty stat if we don't have viewership numbers, if we don't know what a view equates to, right? Do I have to run this down again, just very quickly? What constitutes a view on Peacock? Is it a minute? Is it 30 seconds? Is it two minutes? Is it five minutes? So if someone is watching five minutes of a thing, it counts of a view. If they only watch 20 minutes of the entire pay-per-view, it still counts as a view. I would assume that uh, that a view is, if I'm not mistaken, Nielsen clocks it in at a, at a minute for their streaming, uh, for their st streaming analytics. Uh, I could be wrong. I think it's a minute. So we can only assume that that's probably that Peacock goes with the industry standard here, but I don't know. What would be a more compelling stat to have, and I've said this multiple times, is the stat of total time watched. That would be the much more compelling, interesting statistic to know. Uh, did did most viewers uh, did uh, most viewers watch 20% uh, of the show? Did they watch 50% of the show, 70, so on and so forth? That is a much more interesting and telling stat. Again, it's something I get on YouTube. I'm able to, I'm able to, to, to see the percentage of, 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 every, uh, of every stream, of every video. I'm able to see what kind of watch time I have. And that is indeed a more compelling stat than just a view. Uh, I'm able to see if I'm able to maintain interest and what topics are, are considered interesting and so on and so forth. So, you know, it grew 28%. Good for them. What does that even mean? Plus, again, let's not forget that Peacock currently has 20 million subscriptions that rose. It jumped up last year in 2022 from 9 million subscriptions because Peacock was added to a bunch of cable deals as a free uh for a free year right if you all remember that so you know so peacock boasted that they have oh we have 20 million subscribers now but a lot of, a lot of them came in off of cable deals already pre-packaged and were good for a year now a lot of these deals like for instance the comcast deal comcast subscribers starting on june 26th will no longer have Peacock for free. They're going, the members are going to have to, uh, 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 Comcast subscribers, I should say, are going to have to shell out money for it. At first, uh, I think they're going to start it off at $2.99 a month for a limited time, right? Because the price is like $4.99, five bucks. They might start it at $3.99, sort of to, you know, to ease people in, grandfather them in to a degree. I don't think that's, a right, that's the right definition of grandfathering. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's more to ease them into the to the pay uh, to the uh, to the pay schedule. So, how is that going to affect subscriptions? I would say significantly. If you were getting this for free and you weren't necessarily getting any value out of it, well, you know, you're probably going to pull the plug once Comcast sends you a little email. It's like, hey, starting on June 26, you're going to be like, ah, fuck this shit. I don't want this peacock shit. Or it might just work. Maybe the 2.99. Maybe if they started off at a lower price. 
you'll be interested to stay on. It'll be very interesting to see how this goes because Peacock is not profitable. It's not making money. I think right now the only, uh, you know, what was it? I think HBO Max recently announced that it was profitable and my jaw hit the floor. I was like, really? HBO Max is making money. Okay, well, good for them. Uh, that's that's uh, good. But Peacock is absolutely not profitable right now. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Now, for WWE, I would assume um, that regard, like, you know, they're not going to lose 20 million subscribers, right? I, you know, they, there's probably some very smart people at Comcast, at Peacock, who figured this out, who know what the attrition is going to look like. So, you know, they've probably figured out that they're going to lose, I don't know, 15%. I don't know, of the 20 million. Who cares? I don't know. Like, I, I, right now, I'm just talking, I'm just talking for talking's sake. Uh, but when it, when it comes to WWE, I would assume that it's still a good, I think it's, it's probably still a good deal for them because they're still deeply entrenched into very into multiple people's uh, uh, homes nonetheless millions of people regardless so there's probably something still to this that you know they'll probably be able to come out and say oh we had you know great viewership nonetheless on and so forth but I be- I would I would say that the days of that you know the halcyon days of 2020, to 2023 where every pay-per-view was the highest viewed of all time i think those days are done because this because the peacock peacock uh subscriber numbers are inevitably going to start going down so uh so yeah so i mean that'll be interesting and it'll be doubly interesting you know to see how they're TV deals shake out as well, right? Because those are still upcoming. By the way, by the way, um, I you know didn't mention this. We talked about the upfronts for AEW, of course, right? But Fox and NBC News already had their already had their op, their upfronts, right? Uh, it turns out that Raw, NXT, and SmackDown were barely mentioned by NBC Universal and Fox on their upfronts, I believe that they were yesterday. Um, PW Insider did report that the network's exclusive negotiating window for WWE's next rights deals either have or are about to expire. This is a very interesting little tidbit here because if, if if that means that the exclusivity windows are coming down, that means that WWE will be free to negotiate with whoever they want, wherever, wherever they want, right? So <coughs> they haven't announced anything yet. They being WWE or, you know, the new company, TKO is what they're going to... I know it's supposed to be like, what, what was it supposed to be? Wide Whale, Inc., Big Whale, Fun Whale, Great Whale. But uh, that was just a placeholder. Apparently it's going to be TKO moving forward, which was the stock ticker that they had registered uh months ago when all this news started to break about Endeavor buying WWE or merging WWE with UFC um we could uh so so there's a, there's a feeling going around and that you know it makes perfect sense that you know people within WWE are going to uh that that WWE is going to open up negotiations to other networks 
So they're going to go talk with people maybe outside of NBC Universal, maybe outside of Fox, maybe outside of both. Um, because that's it at this point. If if the negotiation windows, if the exclusivity windows are closed or are passed, are gone, what is it? They're they're closed. They're open. What is it? What do you do? What is a good thing in a nego- if your exclusivity window is closed, that means you can no longer go through. But if it's open, that means you can go through. Anyway, the window's about to expire. Can a window expire? Oh, all right, that's enough Warren. Um, get to your point. My point being that um, you know that you know people saw. Oh, there was no mention of WWE on Fox. Well, it's like okay. Like they could be negotiating right now. And you're not going to go to your upfront saying, hey, we got, uh, you know, to the advertisers, to, you know, to the people that, 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 that the networks are going to be, you know, siphoning money off to get uh, ad revenue from. You're not going to be promising a show that you're not going to get. So they might be negotiating. They might have been already terminated negotiations and Fox going, yeah, you know what, guys, go do whatever you want at this point because we can't match this or we don't want this. Or maybe they're, you know, maybe they're offering a certain amount and WWE is going to go elsewhere and try to leverage that against what Fox uh, is doing. At this point, personally, I find it's, you know, it's been taking them a while to settle their their deal, right? Their their, their TV deals. Does this have anything to do with the Endeavor purchase? Couldn't tell you. Um, but, you know, I think it, it is curious at this point that nothing has been settled, nothing's been announced. Um... If anything, you know, I would pray for the USA Network uh, to uh, to hopefully maintain Raw on Monday nights because uh, there's nothing that even comes close as far as ratings go on USA Network. It is the top-rated show of that uh, of that cable network. If they lose Raw, they lose their their top-rated show. I would assume that they would want to hang on to them uh to wwe but at what cost that's always the question and uh and is wwe ready to ready to make any concessions i i'm pretty sure wwe feels in a tremendous uh in in, in, in any they feel like they're in a tremendous advantageous position right now i would assume as far as negotiations go they're probably coming in here saying look you know we've got all this money coming in we've got you know the new structure the are you know the new uh, the new companies WWE is going to be part of this new great conglomerate we've got all we're, we're holding all the marbles here pal be interesting like i don't know how this is going to go i don't know how this is going to go but you know uh, uh um it's an interesting little tidbit here to add to the conversation for sure to keep in mind because as much because as much excitement as there is right now around the tv deals for AEW, we haven't heard a peep in regards to wwe's the upfronts happen not much not much was uh there wasn't much ado about wwe's presence on the upfronts so maybe that's it. Maybe the exclusivity windows are passing and it's time to open it up and uh, we just might be surprised. This, this is already a wild year for wrestling business. Uh, let's keep it going. I'm here for... I love the chaos. I love the craziness. Uh, on uh, his uh, PW Torch podcast, Wade Keller 
had some things to say about the WWE wrestlers. He said that some WWE wrestlers are, quote unquote, at least happy Vince McMahon is back, that Vince McMahon is, again, quote, back contributing to creative. These are exact quotes from what uh, Wade reported. Keller said that some of uh, that is uh, probably, quote unquote, purely based on self-interest, unquote, as they believe McMahon will push them more than Triple H would. Gee willikers, you don't say. You don't say that the wrestlers who like Vince because Vince gave them pushes are happy Vince is back on scene. I'm telling you, like sometimes, and, and this, you know, this was picked up and reported. And the reason why I'm talking about this isn't because I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and go like this and go, well, folks, we are going to analyze now, which wrestlers do, does Warren Hayes believe that is going to benefit from Vince return? Like, cause I, and I like Wade, but this, this is bunk. Like this, who cares? And if there was ever a bit of 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 news that is non-news, it's this. And this is not necessarily Wade's fault, because this was aggregated. This was rehashed and put into headlines on you know aggregators. They're like, oh, some wrestlers are happy that Vince McMahon are back, really. And then you hit to the art, you head to the article of like, who, 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 who. And you know, there's no mention of it because Wade just says this in passing. So it's not a thing. I'm not putting this on Wade. I'm putting this on 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 on, on the overall incomprehension that a lot of fans have into what constitutes a news report and what doesn't. I'm sure. Look, Wade just says this off the cuff. It's like, look, I talked to some people, but then you have the aggregators who are like, oh, Vince, that's an SEO headline. Wrestlers are happy he's back. That'll generate some hits. And it's really just as simple as that while removing the entire context and making it feel like a big, like an actual news report, like something, you know, that Wade sat down and was like, breaking news, everyone. Wrestlers are happy that Vince is back. At least some of them are. But that's not what happened. But we seem to, we, we seem to revel in this vague news bullshit when it's not news, it's reporting, it's just talking. It's like, this is what I heard, this is what I heard. It's speculatory. There's nothing attached to this. Now, if Wade had come out and said, well, Braun Strowman said that he was happy that Vince was back. Now you got yourself a story. This is some, he goes on record. He says, I spoke with Braun Strowman who told me Vince McMahon is happy he's back. He's back, get back that happy Vince is back. Um, then you have, that's, that's news. But this is just, it's way, way, it, it, uh, uh, it, it's vague conjecture nonsense. And in the context of a podcast where he's talking about all sorts of different subjects and he's, go over, he's going over a bunch of things, this works. But as a standalone report, you go, what the hell are we doing here? And then people are reporting this, well, there are wrestlers who are happy. Of course. Of course there are people backstage who are happy that Vince is back contributing to creative. Now, I think it's interesting 
that the quote that was used here is back contributing to creative, right? Because that continues to add support to the idea that Vince is, even if he's not in the weeds, as he liked to say, he's, uh, he's at least involved in the composition and the creative aspect of the shows. But for some reason, look, we'll, we'll latch on to the, to the vagueness and be like, wow, really? It's, of course. Of course. You know, you, you've got a manager at work that you can't stand. And he leaves, he goes on sick leave, and you're like, holy shit, this is great. And he comes back and you're pissed off. But there's, you know, a couple of your coworkers like, oh, brother, we're so glad you're back. It's just how it goes. This shouldn't come to a surprise to anyone. This should not even, this should not have ended up on any headlines. You know what else shouldn't have ended up on any headlines, on any website? This thing. And I don't usually do this. I really don't. Doing, you know, call outs and, but I'll tell you one thing. That, you know, if there is anyone who is a, anyone out there who is, the vaguest news poster that people seem to latch onto and say, oh, the vaguest of vague news posters is WrestleVotes. And for, you know, they'll just throw out big plans. There's, you know, they'll throw out the most vague statements and then when the thing happens, they'll claim it as, I reported this first. No, you said there are plans. There are things coming. You're not reporting. Look and listen to this. This is, this is something that popped up into my eyeballs this week from WrestleVotes. It goes, interesting tidbit. Source says a number of creative decisions and ideas planned prior to WrestleMania have not gone the way envisioned. Not to say for better or worse, but the direction for some superstars is far different than what had been internally discussed. Oh, really? Oh, gee. <gasps> Things moved around and were changed. The original plans weren't stuck to. Are you telling me? Are you telling me the wrestling business was being the wrestling business? Are you telling me that? Are you trying to pass off as a report the singular most obvious thing that happens in pro wrestling since the dawn of pro wrestling? How is this even, how does anyone even come to say, you know what? This is a great tweet right here. Stuff planned didn't happen the way they were planned. Good or bad, it just didn't happen. And how does anyone lap this shit up? How does anyone then say, uh, great reporting? So then, like in two years, when... I don't know, Becky Lynch has gone from the company. She, she cuts a shoot interview and she says, you know, I was supposed to face Bianca Belair at WrestleMania 39. This guy, person, individual, we're not going to throw a, we're, we're not going to make an assumption here. This individual is going to go back in their Twitter machine and quote tweet this up. And say, we reported this back in 2023. That plans have changed. Without saying who, without non-committal, vague bullshit, and yet people are like, oh, isn't that interesting? Jesus Christ! 
This is how low the bar is. This is how low it gets. On one hand, you have Wade Keller on his podcast, just shooting the breeze, talking about stuff, not making a, like a, a statement, an announcement. Hey, listen, guys, I have some news, big report coming out. Some wrestlers are at least happy that Vince is back. No, he's just talking, adding, but this guy, person, excuse me, hits his Twitter device and goes, I have a source who told me that things that were supposed to happen didn't happen the way these were supposed to. Wow. That is literally throwing shit at the wall. Throwing the most ambiguous shit at the wall. And we've got it. We have got to expect better from people reporting, bringing, and I know how the nature of the beast is in pro wrestling reporting. I get it. I really do. But this can, we can do better than this. We can do better than wrestle votes. Most people are better than wrestle votes. Just throwing things, being vague, and then, oh, we reported this. Oh, we reported this. Come on. Thank you, everyone, for still hanging around, being here. Hopefully enjoying your evening. It's now time to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. In fact, it is time for the New Japan Pro Wrestling Best of the Super Junior 30 update. What a time to be alive for all of these for all of these uh, fantastic shows. Started the the the, the tournament started uh, just a couple of days ago. We've already have four nights of action now. Full disclosure: I have not had the opportunity to watch night four as of yet, so I cannot speak with confidence in its regard. I cannot tell you with with great aplomb uh, that, uh, that we you know which matches I liked, which matches I I hated, so on and so forth. I don't know if I if there are any matches to hate, but um, so you know most of my commentary will surround nights one, two, and three, which I watched in their entirety. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and look, I'm going to tell you, uh, a breeze to watch so far. This tournament has been an absolute treasure. It's been a blast. Um, you know, like out the gate, you know, I recommend night one. I recommend heftily night one to anyone who uh, who, who, who's on the fence is like, oh, maybe I should watch it. Should I watch? Yes. The answer is yes. This, it is a, it's a, a an under three hour show. I think it was like, like overall, you know, without the, you know, if you cut away like the, 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 the post-batch promos and all of that, two and a half hours, just a fantastic pro wrestling, 10 great matches that you can get into really easily and you know what i'm even going i'm going as far as to say this this is you can get into these matches really easily and i think this is actually a really really good time to get into new japan pro wrestling because everything feels like we're going down the reset path like we're resetting restarting renewing maybe not resetting 
we're bringing in an era of renewal into New Japan. Right now, Ghetto is, he's pushing a whole bunch of new guys, bringing them to the forefront. We talked about it last week. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not going to rehash all of that. But if you're like, ah, man, you know, New Japan feels so daunting because of all the history and so on and so forth. This is a really good time to get into it. And I'm going to tell you what, night one of the best of the Super Juniors is the best time to jump into it. The absolute best time to dive in. Because the, it, it was an incredible show. It was an incredible show that had, that, like I said, filled with energetic matches and, uh, you know, uh, that people were just excited for. Night one was filled with tons of great stuff and we're in the round robin tournament, which of course I really like. Um, how should we go about doing this? How should I do this? Maybe just run down the cards and if I have any cognizant thoughts, I'll bring them as we go along. How about that? Just real quickly otherwise. On night one, night one of the, uh, night one of the best of Super Juniors, 30, which, um, which occurred on May 12th from Cork and Hall, started off with, uh, with Clark Connors, uh, started off with uh, Clark Connors, newly minted member of Bullet Club, Clark, Clark Connors, uh, defeating Kevin Knight in a good opener. Taiji Ishimori defeated Taguchi. I thought this was great. And it was like a, it was a sub five minute match, like three minutes, 54 seconds, according to cage match. This was great. And they made the most out of this four minutes here. And the story that they're telling here is Raguchi Taguchi, who is typically... Uh, you know, a goofball, he's a bit of a comedy act. He said at the Best of Super Juniors press conference, I'm going, I'm doing this seriously. You know, I'm not, you know, pulling down my pants, you know, uh, going around bare ass, you know, brandishing my scrot. I'm not doing any of that. I, you know, I'm doing, I'm going seriously here. And, uh, and so he came in with that attitude against Taiji Ishimori. And they really like went hard for for four minutes, essentially. A fun, um, a fun little diversion here. Not you know, definitely not your five star classic, but that wasn't the point. The energy, everything worked, got the crowd into it. And Taiji Ishimori, man, he won. With, he wins this one with the bone lock, so he get he scored his first two points here. I'll tell you one thing. Nice to see obscurity, Knox. Um, the um, Taiji Ishimori wins with the bone lock. And I'll tell you one thing. Told, we talked about it last week. And he he won he won each of his each of his matches on, on, on the first three nights. He lost on night four. But he was the first guy to reach six points. He was the first. Uh, he was the first competitor to work to, to reach six points. And he, look, what was I telling y'all last week? I wouldn't be surprised if he makes it far. I wouldn't be surprised if he even won the thing. I think he's going to be in the semi. He's going to be in the the the, the semifinals and the playoffs, like Kevin Kelly called it. Um, he's going to win. He's going to win a block or be a second winner up. He's going to be there. He's been too protected. This is his first win. His first singles win, or excuse me, his loss today on night four 
is his first loss since October 2022 when he lost to Master Wato. He lost at Wrestle Kingdom, sure, in the Fatal 4-Way. Don't call it a Fatal 4-Way. The 4-Way match. But he wasn't pinned. He was never pinned. And he was the champion. So he never really lost his belt. He got his win back over Master Wato and then he was... You know, heavily involved in, in singles and whatnot. And it, I'm pretty uh, in tag matches, I should say. And look, I didn't watch all of the Road 2 shows. I generally don't. I don't watch all the multi-man matches. But I would say with a certain amount of confidence that if you were to go back, watch all his, his multi-man matches, he probably wasn't the guy eating the pins. Or maybe he got pinned once or twice, something to that effect, to set up, you know, feuds or tensions moving into Best of Super Juniors. But this guy is protected. You know, Ghetto didn't put him out there doing singles matches right and left, special singles matches, and he didn't waste them on a rematch with Hiromu either. These are all reasons. There's all reasons for this. These are all things that... You know, we can look back on it like, oh shit, you can see, you can see Gato's uh, 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 breadcrumb trail. You can see all the breadcrumbs right up into a point where you're like, this is what he was doing. So I, I'm telling you, don't sleep on, on Ishimori. Sure, he lost today. But he won his first three matches pretty handily. And he, you know, the guy he lost to today, who do you, you know, the guy he lost to on uh, uh, on night four, hey, Leo Rush, who is currently being positioned as the top guy of the tournament. We're going to get to him in a second. Why don't we talk about him now? Why, why am I waiting? Leo Rush is currently being positioned as the top guy in the tournament. Yeah, won his first two matches. Night three ends up fighting... Uh, uh, Hiroshi, uh, Hiroshi, Hiromu Takahashi, excuse me, um, in a rematch of their outstanding junior heavyweight title match that they had in March, like an outstanding, outstanding match, and they had uh, they had the rematch on night three, and he won. He beat the champ in the tournament. So not only does this, you know, by New Japan rules secure another title shot for, uh, you know, technically you pin the champion, you get a title shot down the road and so on and so forth, or at least you're entitled to one. Um, Leo Rush right now is undefeated. He's the first guy at eight points. He won all four of his first, he won all four of his matches. Uh, so he's up at there at eight points and he's the only guy up there at eight points. He's being positioned as the guy. This is the guy. This is the guy of the, uh, of, of, uh, of the block, of block A, um, he's the guy you need to beat because he just beat the champion. And he is the guy who defeated Taiji Ishimori on night four. So it all makes sense. If Ishimori is going to lose to someone, might as well be against the guy who beat the champion who's coming off looking really friggin' strong. Who not only... Because let's not forget, Taiji Ishimori on top of that Former IWGP Junior Champion did not lose, was not pinned for the title at Wrestle Kingdom, 
and has, was on a tear right up until he met Leo Rush. So what we're saying here, what Gato is telling us is Leo Rush is the guy to beat, but Taiji Ishimori is right up there too. So Rush has uh, the, has the um, right now has the uh, tiebreaker on Ishimori, which is interesting. We'll talk about, you know, upcoming matches and, and previews in, in, in a little bit. But, uh, and I may have gone off track a little bit with the matches here. But ultimately, this has been, right now, this has been the tale for Ishimori and, 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 and Leo Rush so far. Leo Rush is, is the guy of the tournament. He's the guy. Ishimori's still not far behind. He just lost to the guy. Not a big deal. So far, the guys that Ishimori defeated are guys Ishimori should be defeating. Taguchi, Doki, Titan. These are all guys that Ishimori should be putting away, right? That's the other thing that we could talk about when in, in regards to Ishimori's upcoming tournament is that, uh, you know, he's going to start running into some stiff competition. And I kind of meant that as a pun, but also not necessarily. Uh, you know, he still has, he still has Hiromu on, uh, on the docket. And I believe it's on the last night. I'd have to check that out. But he's got Hiromu coming up. He's got, um, he also has Mike Bailey uh, coming up as well. So, and Mike Bailey is another guy in this tournament. Not the guy, but a guy. Um, you know, Kushida right now is not, um, uh, it, it, He's not, uh, uh, you know, he's hasn't been tearing it up so far, but, you know, there's still the potential of Kushida there. Um, look, he's he's going to, uh, he's going to be a, 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 a true-to-form presence in this tournament, is Ishimori going to be. Is this the last night here? No, these are the results. What am I doing? Schedule. Yes, I said schedule. It's Dominion Resurgence. Uh, I believe this is the one here. No, he's got TJP on the final night. I was mistaken. I thought he had Hiromu. He has TJP on the final night of the block. But this was fantastic. Like this is this is going so far, and uh, you know, let let let's keep going through night one because night one truly was spectacular. And you know what? Here's the thing: it's it's available for free. If you want to watch night one of Best of Super Juniors without doing the commitment thing, you just sign up for New Japan World. Don't leave a credit card number and go watch this. It's available for free. Um, we had Leo Rush defeating Show as well, which I thought was a spectacular angle. And it got Leo Rush over because Evil attacks Leo Rush before the bell and just beats the hell out of him. He, evil and Show double team Leo Rush. And what does this have as an effect in the audience? The audience completely 100% 
goes full court press in support of Leo Rush for the entirety of the for the entirety of the show. I'm telling you one thing, and that's why I wrote my article that you can read on VoicesOfWrestling.com as of right now as to why I think evil should be belted up again. Because the House of Torture stuff, as deplorable and 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 mind-bogglingly annoying it was during the pandemic era, during the clap crowd and empty arena era of New Japan. It's working. It's connecting with the audience. It's making baby faces like a good heel should. I think there's something to this. There's so we'll talk. Look, go read the article. Let me convince you that evil should be a should be a, a world champion again. In the meantime, look at the results. This worked. It was good. Then we had Robbie Eagles defeating Yo, which ruled. Robbie Eagles right now is one of the uh, one of the MVPs of this tournament. He has been outstanding in every match he's been. Solid, uh, a variety of moves. Not always the same game plan, despite the fact that he uses the same game plan. <laughs> People are are on to him, so he he you know, moves things around, you know, he works the legs to lock in the Ron Miller special, but he hasn't been really winning with the Ron Miller special. He's been using other techniques, which I appreciate, which means that, you know, he's got his head on his shoulders. We've tournament Robbie Eagles. It's like, I got to mix it up. I can't use the same thing every night. They're going to get on to me. Fun match. Eagles and Yo, former Chaos stablemates. Outstanding final sequence on top of that in this match. Just loved it. Titan defeated TJP on night one. Smooth as hell match. Titan wins with the Muda Lock. I think this is the year that people come full circle back around to TJP. And fully recognize how smooth of a pro wrestler this, this guy is. Um... Regardless of what you think about him as, you know, and his belief systems, you know, and uh, how he, uh, you know, as, a, as an individual, I believe this is the year. It started last year with Catch-22, Catch-22, excuse me, with Francesco Akira uh, turning into one of the top three tag teams in the world. Two singles guys are just like, yeah, we're going to go all in on this one. And uh, uh, we're going to go all in on this one and we're going to uh, 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 actually be a tag team. We're not just going to be two singles guys. We're, we're, we're going to make, we're going to turn ourselves into a tag team here. And now, you know, lost the titles. They're doing the singles thing in the, in, in the juniors tournament. Um, TJP isn't quite as lucky, you know, isn't, you know his, his luck isn't on his side, but his matches have been smooth as hell. Titan, TGP, I loved it. I thought it was great. And and I'm not I'm not as big a, a Titan guy as a lot of y'all out there are. I know there, there are a lot of people who say, oh, Warren, Titan is fantastic. He's good, don't get me wrong. He, I, I, he, he's no schlub. He's no Dominic. He's no bad luck folly, don't get me wrong. But I I'm not as I'm not as high on Titan as a lot of you are. I think he had a fantastic match here, don't get me wrong, but 
Yoshinobu Kanemaru defeated Del Desperado. Hey, let me tell you, this match here, one of my favorites so far in the tournament. Yeah, Kanemaru is someone that, look, I've been on this train for a while though. But again, this is a guy that I feel like a lot of people are going to turn the corner on, not unlike TJP, because if anything, this the, these just five guys, right, are going to be helping out Sonata and, and, and Kanemaru really break through here, really help elevate, push forward, make Kanemaru into more of a contender in the division, right? It was wild to me to learn that just a couple of weeks ago, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, in his 40s, has wrestled all over the place. All Japan, Noah, New Japan, he's been everywhere. Never, not only, has never been the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, but never even challenged for the title. That was his first challenge just a few weeks ago. Against the Romu. I mean, what are we doing? This guy rules. He always ruled. And in this situation here, we've got the history. We've got the former pals, former tag team partners, former stable mates. And Kanemaru doesn't give a fuck. He just fucks up Desperado's knee. Masterclass on limb work and how to make limb work good. Shout out Jesse Collins. No, but for real. It's been it's been a, a it was an astounding match in that regard. Despi does his best to fight to fight back and try to he can't string offense properly together. Kanemaru always has him in figure fours. He ends the match with a figure four. This ruled. Dope as hell. I think I skipped a couple of matches before. Yeah, I skipped a couple of matches. Dan Maloney defeated Bushi on night one, two. Listen, I'm going to tell you. Dan Maloney, uh, 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 he... Look, I know that he, they can't all be the guy. You need you need a guy. And then, you know, a couple of other guys. And you know, But he, Dan Maloney ain't the guy. He ain't doing it. This ain't connecting. It ain't working. It ain't, it ain't you know... It's not as a, you know a wise man once said. It ain't making my nipples hard. You know you see uh, you see him against Bushi. You're like, okay, he's gonna get a win. He did. I think it's against Bushi, and he kind of like, well, all right. Night two wasn't great either. Night three wasn't great either. I didn't see night like I, you know again. I haven't watched night four yet. Can't speak on it. But Dan Maloney's not doing it for me. And I think that after three nights, I'm kind of like, ah, all right, let's, let, 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 you know, this, if I'm booking this tournament, if I'm ghetto, and I had plans for Dan Maloney, and I had him, you know, going on a win streak or whatever, I'm sitting back down and I'm giving this spot to someone else, you know. You know, he has, you know, he had a match with, uh, he had a match with Bushi. Who else did he have his, see, I don't even remember his matches. That's how, 
he had a match with Kanemaru. The night after Kanemaru has that fantastic match with, uh, with El Desperado. But then again, night two, no one... You... No one had any excuse to give us night two. Night two was not good. No one had any excuse to give us night two. Everything underperformed. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, we also had uh, Master Watto defeating Francesco Akira. Watto, I find so far, has been half and half. You know, there's this is the thing with Watto. I think he's improving. I think he is indeed getting better. I think he's grown tremendously uh, since he started, you know, so swift, all that bullshit. But he's still, there's there's flashes of brilliance and then there's, and then he master Watto's it up. I don't know how to put it. I don't know how to tell you. Like just weird executions and you're like, what are you trying to do? What's the story we're doing here? Like, there's always like, I, I'll get into some stuff and then he'll like purposefully drag me out. And you're like, nope, nope, sorry, sorry for making you believe, pal. And I'm like, ah. And, and I feel that's been his tournament so far. Again, I haven't seen night four, but this has been it so far. Francesco Akira maybe hasn't had the success yet, but this kid, this guy working with TJP shows. This guy has an understanding and a speed and a... Just a, 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 a daredevil aspect of him, but not in a, not in a, you know, 2012 Hiromu Takahashi kind of way where he's, you know, just throwing all caution to the wind. He, it's more like in the speed and the crispness of what he does, just like the, 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 this relentless execution that he, that he has in what he does that makes him compelling that all these things about you know his gimmick being you know the oh, the fireball and the fire swing and the fire starter I don't know what all the names are I don't remember but you know his thing is fire being a blaze and you're like yeah yeah this is Francesco Akira I get it this kid is great and he's had s solid matches throughout just fan always and, and you know commentary mentioned it quite a bit he's been in New Japan for about a year he debuted in the uh, Best of Super Juniors last year. Um, I, I love this. I love this guy. So he's always a pleasure to watch. Uh, and then we had... Oh, Doki defeating Kushida on night one as well, which I thought was a great match. That was a great match. Kushida schooling Doki at first. Like, just... You know, old school vet is like, come on, kid. I'm gonna I'm let I'm gonna get you in the ring, I'm gonna stretch you for the next 20 minutes or so. It wasn't 20 minutes, the match lasted 832, but if you get the reference, thank you. Uh and we're going and he's going aggressively hard. Like Kushida is like he's got something to prove. And I'm like, brother, you are Kushida. But then again, I'm like he probably does have something to prove because I myself on this show, when he made his return to New Japan, just like many other people out there, everyone sort of went, all right. What, what, does, what does Kushida have to offer the world of Puroresu in 2023? 
what what's he got for us, right? And his first few matches weren't great. You're like, oh, did the WWE system get him? Is he is he washed? What's going on? Then he got sick, missed out on a bunch of dates. And then since he's come back, since he wrestled, well, at least since I saw his match with Steve Macklin at uh, Rebellion this year, which again is still one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year. I'm like, okay, so this is the Kushida I want. This is the Kushida that is proving me wrong, where I just shrug my shoulders like, okay, well, what does he have to give? He clearly has a lot to give. Yeah, and there was the Darby Allen match as well. And he clearly has a lot to give and he wants to give more. And this is probably a guy who's listening, who has his ears, his ear to the ground and he's like, oh, okay, everyone's sort of like, well, does Kushida merit a spot? What's his thing here? He's like, all right, bet. So when I say Kushida is in this match with something to prove, one half is, one part of me is like, this is nonsense. This is bad analysis, Warren, because this guy is a, he's a, he's a legend in the junior heavyweight division of New Japan. But on the other hand, it's like, this is good analysis, Warren, because clearly he feels like he has something to prove. He feels like, he, you know, it's like, all right, haters, doubters, I'm going to show you that I still got it. And f fuck me sideways if he doesn't. He's, he, he, even in this, and he was like, I'm going to get you over, Doki. This crowd is going to be up on, your, on its feet for you by the end of this match. And guess what? At some point during the match, he, he's trying to get some cheap shots in. Using the ropes and trying to get some cheap shots in on Doki. Crowd turns on him. Turns on Kushida. It's a, it's a, it's a pro-Doki crowd. Skate a special to wrap this one up by our boy. Doki. Beautiful. And the main event was the match I think everyone, at least in North America, wanted to see. Good old Gato giving us the big match on night one. A, a, a Gato trope that I will always approve. Mike Bailey defeated Hiromu Takahashi. Not surprised. What did I tell y'all last week? Rem remember, keep in mind what I said last week when I sat here in this very seat. Beautiful blue seat, by the way. I told you all, if Hiromu loses his first match, he's losing the tournament. Mark my words. Bailey here, fantastic. Physical, tons of striking. He lit up Hiromu. He got, he got Hiromu cooking. This was great. You should go check it out. You should check out this entire... If you love pro wrestling, and you should, and if you do, you should watch night one of the best Super Juniors and have yourself a good old time. Just an outstanding, outstanding night of professional wrestling. Night two, eh, eh. The, the match, excuse me, 
the night two wasn't terrible. It's not something that you watch and you feel like you have to have a good cry after. It's what you know, this is not NXT Halloween Havoc 2022, okay? The work was good overall. I even look, I even enjoyed quite a bit Hiromu and Doki. I thought that was good. I thought Francesco Akira and Kevin Knight was good as well. Um, you know, they did more angles with Show and Mike Bailey using the foot and what, you know, if you're into that. But it did not have the level of energy that, uh, it did not have the level of energy that the, the, the that Night One had. Didn't have the spark. Didn't have the outstanding levels of work. Or the levels of work. Lots of things were advanced. More stories were told. Don't get me wrong, you know. Uh, you know, I even thought, so far, I think this, you know, Yo and Master Wato was probably my favorite performance out of both. Uh, on that, uh, on that night there. You know, El Desperado settling in the, you know, the tail of the, uh, of the knee. You know, it bothered him on night three as well. I thought that was, I thought that was fantastic. Some good stuff, you know. Like I said, Francesco Akira, Kevin Knight. I think it's a, Kevin. I can't put over Kevin Knight enough. I think this is going to be a guy that we should all, you know, be locked in on, keep an eye on. Uh, he's one of the standouts of uh, of the dojo of the of the uh, LA dojo, and like uh, like a lot of commentators have have pointed out. Uh, again, like this isn't me saying this specifically. I'm I'm parroting essentially, but I agree with it. Um, you know, the fact that Kevin Knight, out of all of the guys in the LA Dojo, he's the guy that's brought to Japan to wrestle with Kushida, to be, you know, junior tag champions, to be in best of super juniors, as opposed to, you know, I don't know, Alex Coughlin or... Uh, that's significant, right? That means something. That's, you know, someone's got their eye on this guy. He's not a finished product. He's, he can't, as spectacular as he can be, He's still a little sloppy sometimes, which you could often chalk up to nerves. I think there's a lot of that that's involved here. But, you know, he would he absolutely holds his own with Kushida when they were having, you know, when they do the tag team stuff. He's fantastic. His drop kicks are amazing. He's got great aerial technique. He doesn't overdo it. He's not a flippy guy. He's just a high energy, high octane dude. He's got great charisma. He's upward, his upward mobility is insane. You're seeing like the formation of a really interesting, really compelling future uh, pro wrestling prospect, whether it be in New Japan or elsewhere. I think, I think at some point he's going to outgrow New Japan because he's got too many, he's, he, he, I, he's got a lot of affinities that work really well in North America that people can latch on, latch on to maybe less in, in, in Japan. I think he's going, he, he's got a lot of upward mobility. I'm not outright calling him like the next best thing or so on and so forth, but he's, he's fantastic. And I thought this match with Francesco Akira brought the best out of him and vice versa. They work really well together, but overall night two, I think is, if you wanted to skip it, you could skip it. And on night three, we had, uh, well, I didn't do the results on the other one, but who cares? 
On night three, let me just focus on the matches I really like because I think I talked about... Well, I didn't talk about Clark Connors, really, right? Did I talk about... I didn't talk really much about Clark Connors. Here's what I like about Clark Connors. And here's... In, in opposition to Dan Maloney, right? Here's the thing. We've got commentary talking about Dan Maloney and saying Dan Maloney used to be a heavyweight then he had to uh, readjust his body you know he wanted to bring it down because he wanted to be a, you know he wanted to be a junior right he was a little too big and then he wanted to drop down to you know 225 or whatever so Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton put him over as you know a heavyweight in the body of a junior right putting over his strength his striking ability so on and so forth and I'm shrugging there and I'm like hey but we already have Clark Connors, who is exactly that. Clark Connors is a tank. Like, he is a power junior. We don't need Dan Maloney coming in and being, he's a heavyweight in the body of a junior. We already have one at home, Mom. It's Clark Connors. <laughs> and Clark Connors is better. Clark Connors is a better overall wrestler. And I like that we're continuing down this path of Clark Connors being the savage, right? This is the term that's brought up a lot with the new Bullet Club guys. A bunch of savages. We want savages. That's what uh, uh, Dave Finley was saying. Well, he's wrestling like a savage. He's being an absolute beast. Good for him. I'm enjoying Connors' work. And he might be a... He, you know, he might be a sneaky pick towards the end. Like he's not down in the dumps. He's not, you know, trailing, you know, with, he's not at the bottom of the barrel with an egg. He's staying alive here. Then we had Taiji Ishimori defeating Doki. This was the uh, six-point match for, for Ishimori. And uh, I, I really liked this match. I thought it was very good. Tremendous dive by Doki. Gets all of his shit in. He's getting all of his shit in. The swinging northern lights. The daybreak. The Italian stretch number 32. Which is the proper name for the Doki Choki, by the way. But Ishimori has been on fire. Like I said... Right up until this point, undefeated, just a beast, bone lock, does it. Thank you, good night. Good, good showing here. Francesco Akira and Robbie Eagles. Oh! One of my favorite matches of the tournament. Absolutely rocked. Fantastic match. And I wasn't expecting anything less out of these two here. I was expecting Robbie Eagles to win. Didn't expect them to, didn't expect them to, 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 to lose to Akira here, but makes things more interesting. And you know what? How they played off this match, it could have gone either way. Towards the end, I love this, the, the, this, this finish here. Towards the end, Robbie Eagles, he locks on the Ron Miller special after ducking a, a, a Nova Fireball from, uh, from Akira, right? He's just like, mm. so that happens. Some close near falls follow. Turbo, turbo backpack by Robbie Eagles. Double knees in the corner. Wipes out on the 450 though, which allows Akira to land uh, the Nova Fireball proper for the win. This is one of my favorite tournament matches so far. It's right up there with uh, with Bailey and, and, and Hiromu and Kanemaru and Desperado.
Like, highly recommend it on night three. Just uh, outstanding stuff. Titan defeated Kushida as well. Uh, Dan Maloney defeated Yo in a snoozer. <laughs> Mike Bailey defeated TJP. First time these guys ever wrestled each other. Wild. And Mike Bailey pulls out the Flamingo Driver for the first time in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Dig it. I loved it. I thought this was great. I want more Bailey in New Japan and, and, and TJP. Not gonna lie, I thought this was smooth as hell. Mike Bailey up at six points as well at this point. El Desperado defeated Master Watto. Continued the story of Kanemaru's knee, and I think that's gonna be a thing moving forward, and it's either gonna go two ways with Gato. Either Despi is going to work through the pain and win the block or something, or he's just gonna completely cave in, and it's not gonna work out. And the main event, I think I talked about it earlier, Leo Rush defeated Hiromu Takahashi, barn burner. And, and from this point on, I think it is clear now, Leo Rush and, and Hiromu Takahashi cannot have anything less than a great match with each other. I think this is, this is where we're at now. I think I'm confident to say, maybe we need a third match just to consecrate that. God, this was good. So where are we on the standings right now? Leo Rush leads block A with eight points. Mike Bailey, Taiji Ishimori, and Titan all have six. Hiromu, TJP tied at four. Doki, Kushida, and Sho have two points. And Taguchi with the goose egg at the bottom of the, at the, bottom of the, uh, the group. Uh, I do believe, if I am not mistaken, let me make sure. Like, well, we can't officially knock anyone out yet. But for all intents and purposes, let's say Taguchi goes on, goes on a, uh, uh, let's say Taguchi goes on a, uh, uh, on a streak here and then just gets all of his, wins all of his matches, brings him up to, he has five matches left, so gets 10 points. He'd have to defeat everyone, and then, uh, and then let me see here, and then Leo Rush would have to not win a single, another single match, nor show, nor Ishimori, nor Titan. So it is very improbable that Taguchi is anything else but a spoiler at this point in the tournament. Block B right now, uh, not as clear cut uh, not, uh, as far as leaders and, and, and guys to watch out for for B block. Uh, Akira, Eagles, Desperado, all at six points. Uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Clock Carners, and uh, Dan Maloney, Yo, and Master Wato, all at four. Kevin Knight is the sole guy at number two. Bushi's got the goose egg. So this one is a little more... We've still got many more plans moving forward. We're not uh, we're not out of the woods yet here. So yeah, it it's not it's too early yet. You know, if I had if we were at night five, then we could probably start wringing our hands together and kicking guys out of the kicking guys out of the tournament. But um, I think it's I think it's safe to say that 
even though the math could potentially make a scenario where Mizuki Taguchi, excuse me, uh, does get to the finals, it is very improbable that he will. I, I I feel confident in saying he's been knocked out of the tournament. I don't I, like. Again, there is a scenario where he can make it, but I think it is very highly improbable. Um, I still think... I still think that there are... Uh, that there are big, big chances for... Um, that there are big, big chances for, uh, for Ishimori... To be uh, to be in the finishing to be in the finishing throws here. Ishimori right now has Hiromu, who is probably going to be he's got Hiromu and Mike Bailey, which will likely be his two biggest tests. So I think he might be. I think there's still a possibility he's going to be in the mix here, um, very much so. But if he, if he falls behind, it will be because of Hiromu and Mike Bailey. But again, I have the feeling he's protected. I feel like they're, you know, they're looking over uh, Taiji Ishimori, making sure that he continues to look strong in this tournament to be a player. I don't think losing to Leo Rush was a mistake. So we'll see moving forward. He's, you know, he's still got some big, some tough names to get through. As far as Mike Bailey goes, who is another top guy right now at six points. Well, he's got, uh, he, of course, he's got Ishimori as a, as, you know, as a, uh, as a big stepping stone left. You could argue he's got Titan. Titan was up there at six points with him. If Bailey is able to dispose of Titan, I think that's the death knell for Titan. And I believe Mike Bailey will be a contender as we start getting towards, towards the end here. Doki might end up having a sneaky good tournament as well. Uh, he's, got, uh, he's got two points. Uh, you know, the crowd loves... The, the, the crowd loves... Um, loves Doki. So I could absolutely see Ghetto just spinning around on this and going, "Hey, uh, I'm I'm gonna give him uh, I'm gonna give him the push. Let let let's let's you know sunset this Dan Maloney fellow and uh, and work with one of our one of our own dudes and get this guy over. Like I, why would we be surprised, right? I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, so I think there's, uh, I think there's definitely something really good. Uh, I think there's something really good to pull out of the, to pull out of this match um, uh, as it stands. So I, look, there's really a lot of good stuff uh, to uh, to come still yet in, in in block A. Block B is just all over the place right now. Um, hard to say. Let's take a look here. Um, because you know there, there there aren't many like top established stars as there are in block A 
right? I think the work in both blocks has been very good, but you know, if you look at Robbie Eagles, for instance, and why wouldn't you? Uh, he's got Dan Maloney, El Desperado, Kevin Knight, Master Wato, and Kanemaru left. So Kanemaru is currently at four points. Uh, Eagles is at six. It could it could still go either way. Like there's nothing really definite. You, there isn't a runaway guy so far. So it, it's it's hard to see how he's going to position how he's going to be positioned. And same goes for Kanemaru. Kanemaru doesn't necessarily have the the toughest um, uh, rest of uh, the rest of block left. You know he uh, he won over El Desperado, which was probably his biggest hump he needed to get over. But you know he did lose to Kevin Knight. He did lose to Master Watto. Defeated Dan Maloney, so he's a little uneven. You would assume he'd be able to do easy work out of Bushi. Probably out of Yo as well. Probably out of Akira as well. Robbie Eagles might put up a fight. That'll be one I'll be I'll, I'm I'm looking forward to see. But you'd assume that El Desperado is going to be in uh, is going to be in play till the very end here. And the Kanemaru spoiler or uh, the. Uh, the, uh, the the uh, the the Kanemaru uh, uh, um, uh, uh, tiebreaker is probably going to add to the drama as we start getting closer to the end here. So again, too early to to knock anyone out to see how things are going to go. But uh, you know, if you ask me, right now, uh, Hiromu Takahashi has already faced his stiffest competition in the tournament. He's faced Leo Rush. He's faced Mike Bailey. He's got Kushida, who he should be able to defeat. Kushida already passed the torch off to him. I think we're going to continue. Like, There's no way that the current ace of the junior division is going to lose to the former ace. I don't think. Taguchi should be a non-factor. Well, okay. Ishimori is... Ishimori might be the ultimate one. Might be the, the, might be the guy who nails... Hiromu's coffin in regards to this tournament this year. He should be able to dispose of his LIJ stablemate Titan and probably, you know, he'll probably be able to do uh to get one over TJP as well. I wouldn't like none of this would surprise me. I think only Ishimori right now is uh, is his big match. I think he's got most of the uh, most of the big ones out of the way. Uh Leo Rush absolutely has is on a perfect path to 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 be the top scorer of the block. He's got Doki, Mike Bailey, Titan, and T uh, and TJP left. Going to be good matches. I think the only one that has that truly has a chance to upset Leo Rush here, maybe add a little spice to it, is Mike Bailey. But since Leo Rush has already overcome Ishimori and Takahashi. I think he's got. Uh, I think he's he has a, uh, a a clean open road to make it to the end as the top scorer of of uh, uh, of of a block. Is what I was trying to say. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You know, and I think you know um, guys who are. Who are at zero right now are probably going to stay all the way at the bottom. Might act as spoilers, but 
you know, Bushi. Bushi still has a chance to make a comeback. I don't see it happening personally, but, uh, you know, absolutely, um, absolutely Taguchi's tournament is done for sure. So it's a good tournament so far. This has been a delight. Like I said, night two, eh, maybe not so great. You could skip that. But night one was great. I love night three. I'm going to get on night four very, very soon. So next week, when we reconvene, we will be very close to the end of the tournament. Because the finals are being held, uh, because the, the finals are being held uh, next week. <laughs> May 28th. That's exciting. And before all of that, before we even get to that, uh, to that tournament, to the, to the finals there, we uh, are going to have New Japan Resurgence happening this weekend. Let me pull this up here. Uh, there we go. I'm going to do a little preview before we head off into the dusty trail. Resurgence 2023 uh, happening May 21st at the Walter Pyramid in Long Beach, California. Uh, and, uh, oh, look, let's go right down and, and, and chat about the card. It's going to be main evented by the uh, finals of the Strong Women's Championship Tournament, which is taking place on the card throughout the evening. Two brackets of, uh, two brackets, four women, Mercedes, Mercedes Monet taking on Stephanie Vaquer from CMLL and Momokogo from uh, Stardom taking on AEW's Willow Nightingale. So <clears throat> we've got representation from uh, four promotions that have a history of working. Uh, well, not really CMLL. You know, AEW will probably, would probably like to work with CMLL. I don't know. But, you know, uh, a lot of synergy with uh, within these promotions. How about that? Uh, and um, so so we've got that going. So Mercedes Monet and Vaquer are going to happen. Vaquer, probably, right? Will be happening uh, earlier in the evening to face the winner of Momokogo and Willow Nightingale. Let's just call it. The main event is going to be Mercedes Monet versus Willow Nightingale, right? Uh, I think that's what you go for. You're in you're in the North American territory. You know, the, nothing against Momokogo, but I think this is a big uh, this is a, a a bigger, more compelling spot to have Willow Nightingale there. And I think it'll be really interesting to see what kind of what what kind of magic she and and Monet will be able to put together. This is something really interesting because uh, now you know we've seen. <clears throat> Mercedes uh, in Japan wrestled the you know the Japanese ladies and uh, and and worked that style. Now it'll be interesting to see uh, what she can do coming back to a more grounded North American style here, um, especially with a woman who uh, you know who's a different body type, a different style. I'm really excited for this match, and I'm. And, and and as compelled as I am to to uh, to see Mercedes Monet win this, <laughs> I think that's the safe bet. Um, this is such a big match for Willow Nightingale, and you know she probably has 
butterflies up and down uh, just thinking about this. It's been a crazy year for Willow Nightingale when you think about it over the past 365 days. Like, you know, pressing hard on the indies to you know, becoming a semi-regular on AEW to finally getting the contract and then doing this super cool shit. I'm excited for her. And I think we're going to end up getting a surprisingly good match. I think a lot of people are like, yeah, this is going to be fine. It's going to be... I think we're going to see a couple of women turn up here. I think we're going, we're going to see... Um, we're going to see two women put the best foot forward in every way, shape, or form. I wouldn't be surprised if we're completely blown away for two reasons. First and foremost, Willow. I think it's safe to say that this is the biggest match of her career as far as exposure goes, as far as, uh, well, maybe not as exposure, but as far as, look, she's stepping into the ring with the former Sasha Banks, a, a legitimate, bona fide superstar. And there are people who are going to be actively looking for this match without necessarily knowing who Willow is. So she's going to be exposing herself to a whole new set of fans. Um, and uh, yeah, so in that regard, I would say that this is the biggest match of her career. I, it, more I think about it, the more I think this is the one that she has to, where, where she knows that there is, mm, mm, there, there are lots of good things that could come out of this if she has a really good showing. And has a really good match with Mercedes. Mercedes on the flip side. Uh, I think that she again feels she has something to prove. Uh, a lot of scuttlebutt around the sales regarding this show here. Um, saying you know I was like well you know this show didn't sell out as quickly as uh, Mercedes first uh, comeback match in uh, in North America against uh, Kyrie right. It didn't turn out to, you know, it, the, the, the tickets didn't fly off the shelves as quickly as when she was announced for the first match, which I can concur to. I would also say, why is New Japan always running California? You know, Mercedes had her match in California a couple of months ago. So maybe, you know, sure, you know, you got to see the big match back. You were there. Maybe you're not feeling as compelled to go and see this one specifically. What if they had run it in, in, in Texas, which is another territory that New Japan has a tendency to run? You know, they just run Philadelphia. They just ran uh, uh, Washington, which again, are cities they have a tendency to run. Uh, so, you know, maybe not run there. Go back to Texas. Do this. Maybe they would have drawn better numbers. But I think she feels like she has something to prove here. And I think, I, I, and I think this is going to be the story of the rest of Mercedes Monet's career. Or at least, hang on. Let me let me put this another way. When is Mercedes Monet going to outlive the WWE Spectre? When is that? When is it going when are we going to get to a point where it is going to be old hat a faux pas to talk about mercedes monet and be like oh well you know when she was in wwe like when are we going to have to get rid of that and i think it's something she wants to shake i would assume she'd want to shake that because it can't always be about the that conversation like today the day i'm recording this May 16th, 
is the one year anniversary of her and Naomi's walk out of the company. So it's been a full year, a full calendar year since she's been gone. She has, she has, you know, yes, she was contracted to New Japan last, late last year, but started wrestling uh, in January, uh, February, uh, early 2023, drawing a blank. Um, so, and, and, you know, she, she's not going to, she, you know, she, she hasn't have, she doesn't have 30 matches under her belt either. She's an attraction. She's being booked as one. That's fine. It's just, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a thing that I still feel follows the conversation. When are we going to stop putting her, putting her time in WWE as a part of the conversation as of her moving forward? And I think this is going to be, again, a reason for her to try and put this away. It's like, look, I'm going to be coming back to wrestle in North America for the strong women's championship. Again, I, I'm having trouble understanding conversation for another time, but I'm having trouble understanding why she dumped the IWGP women's title to come and get a strong women's title. When part of the plan of the IWGP women's title was to have it defended in North America. Like I don't get me wrong. I just don't get it. Okay. There's probably something very political backstage that we don't know that we don't understand, but I like, I, I don't get it. Um, but yeah, look, I think she, you know, everything she's going to do is going to be under a microscope. Uh, I think she's shown that uh, she's, you know, she's washed off whatever rust she may have from working the the WWE style for all those years. She's fine. She's a good wrestler. We always knew she was. You know, she's, and she's a star. She acts like a star and she's treated like one. This will be great. I'm excited for it. And I'm excited for Willow. Hiroshi Tanahashi will be taking on Will Ospreay in the tournament semifinals to determine the number one contender for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship, winner of which will face Lance Archer at Dominion in the finals. I think a safe bet, a very safe bet, the safest of all the bets is Will Ospreay winning this, especially after what happened at Dynamite last week. And then suddenly, uh, um, uh, uh, Don Callis adding, you know, doing, adding things to his Twitter profile, adding bruv, which is, you know, a Will Ospreay, uh, an expression typically associated with Will Ospreay. Um, right. I mean, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not going nuts here. We're not telling any lies here. Right. Hiroshi Tanahashi is not winning this match to face Kenny Omega for the IWGP title at Forbidden Door, right? And we're, we're assuming at Forbidden Door. For argument's sake, let's just say that's what it is. It's not going to be Lance Archer either. We're getting the rematch, right? We're getting Osprey Omega 2, correct? Uh, correct. I think that's, again, the safest of bets. As long as Will works smart, doesn't overextend himself and fucking injure himself again in the lead up, be fine.
Kazuchika Okada, Rocky Ramon, Tomohiro Ishii will be in a six-man tag, taking on the Blackpool Combat Club duo of John Moxley and Wheeler Yuta, accompanied by Shota Umino. So John and his sons taking on the Chaos dudes. Should be fun. Be interesting to see in what type of uh, bloody, bloodthirsty mood John Moxley will be in. Nicolaio will be defending the Strong Overweight Championship against Kenta. I, I really couldn't care less. I really couldn't care less. I don't see it in Hikaleo. I don't get it. I don't see it. It's not my thing. I'm very low on Kenta these days. I'm sorry. I just, you know, their match did nothing for me a couple of weeks ago. I don't see how this is going to be any different. Fred Rosser versus Juice Robinson. This is going to be a payoff from a feud that uh, had been brewing over the past two collision shows where Juice Robinson Juice Robinson would uh, beat up Fred Rosser using fistfuls of, of coins, of quarters. In effect, I still love the visual. I, I hope he does it again. And it's a gimmick I hope we can translate into AEW. He just, he has a fistful of quarters, clocks him across the face with a straight punch and the coins just explode. It's a great visual. The TMDK duo of Zack Sabre Jr. and Bad Dude Tito will be taking on Virus and Barbaro Cavernario. Cavernario. Barbaro Cavernario, which I think is Caveman Barbarian or something. And Virus is from CMLL. I will never complain to have Zack Sabre Jr. on my TV or... Bad dude Tito, big teats. And we got a couple of uh, pre-show matches. Bateman versus the DKC and Alex Coughlin versus Christopher Daniels. Seems like a decent little card. Seems like a decent little card. Should be a fun time. So that happens this Sunday. Probably review it next week. And next week... We're going to have oh so many things to talk about in regards to an AEW thing. Some news coming up tomorrow. But in the meantime, we're going to wrap up the Meekly Best in Oh, you princes and princesses and everyone else. Thank you so much. For hanging on here till the very bitter end. If you haven't already, consider giving a like on the video if you're listening to this on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. If this is on your favorite podcast application, reviews on Apple Podcasts, five-star ratings on Spotify are dope as hell. And I'd appreciate uh, a little a little looky-loo over there. I'd also appreciate if you headed over to voicesofwrestling.com to read my latest article, my latest thoughts on why I think evil should be belted up that's right, that evil, make him a world champion again. Do all of that and it'll make your boy happy. I'll be back on Thursday. Maybe on a little on the late side, but I will be back on Thursday with another edition of the uh, AEW Dynamite Review. But hey, you know what? In the meantime, I hope everyone has a great rest of their week. Thank you again for being here. I'll see you next time.